Well, good morning, ZF family. Uh, we are continuing in our series called Reintroducing Jesus, and we need this because we always need to be reintroduced to the real Jesus, because for myself, I know that a fog comes over my mind um, and my heart. I, become, I can become apathetic to Jesus. We also can start to believe things that are not true of Jesus and not even realize it. We can start emphasizing different things in the way we speak or think or the places we go to in the Bible. And over time, we get a distorted vision of Jesus um, in our own minds and hearts. And so we need to be refreshed. We also need this for the sake of our neighbors and for our culture because so many people do not know who the real Jesus is. They have, they've gotten their understanding of who Jesus is from sitcoms or child Sunday school lessons that may or may not have been faithful and they may or may not remember faithfully. And some people really don't know the real Jesus at all, uh, who he is, what he's like. And so we have the great privilege as Christians of reintroducing our friends and neighbors and family and culture to the real Jesus. And so how we're doing this is we're looking at the seven I am statements in the gospel of John that Jesus makes. Over the past few weeks, we've heard him say, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the light of the world. Uh, and I am the bread of life. And this morning we focus on his claims, I am the door and I am the good shepherd. So you can grab a Bible and turn with me to John chapter 10. And kids, you can grab some paper if you like and something to draw with and draw what you hear from God's word. And if you like, you can have your parents send me an email uh, giving me your picture. I'd love to see what you're doing. And as a way of reviewing last week's message, I want to show you all a few pictures that some of you drew. So you'll remember that Jesus last week in John 6 had just fed a crowd and now they're following him. But Jesus points to a problem in their motives, right? They don't want him. They just want bread from him. And so Becca Coleman's picture shows this well. She wrote, you can see here, they're using Jesus for bread. And look at the question here in the bottom right. Do we want him or the bread? That's the question. That's really the heart of it. And then Luke Hall's drawing emphasizes the response of the people. So some people left him and some people came to him because that's what happens when we get to know the real Jesus and when people get to know the real Jesus. We're forced to make a decision if we really want him or not uh, or if we'll leave him and uh, that's what happened in this story. So thanks for sending those pictures in and helping us all review that message last week. So this morning, we're focusing on Jesus' statements, I am the door and I'm the good shepherd. When Jesus calls himself a shepherd, it could sound kind of sentimental to us, uh, but the image is actually both tough and tender. Uh, it combines strength with affection. And it tells us a lot about who Jesus really is and what it means to actually know him and follow him and be led by him. Many of us already think of Jesus as a shepherd in some sense, but if we really understand what this means and orient our life around this true idea of who Jesus is, it'll really change us and it can change our moment by moment lives. So let's read this together from John chapter 10. We'll read the first 21 verses together. This is God's word by the spirit. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
When he's brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they'll flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Well, we'll walk through the three dominant images in this section, the door, the shepherd, and the sheep. So first, the door. So Jesus started this section we read with an illustration. He said, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So there's a sheepfold where the sheep would gather and sleep at night. That was usually surrounded by some kind of fence, often a stone fencing enclosure, and there was a door to enter it. The shepherd would use the door, but thieves, of course, wouldn't. They would climb over the fence in order to steal sheep. So Jesus is contrasting a shepherd from thieves. So what's the point of the illustration? Well, Jesus says this in response to what just happened before this. He had just healed a man who was born blind. And then the Jewish leaders threw that healed man out of of the synagogue. And they were furious with Jesus for doing that, especially on the Sabbath day. And so Jesus said that these spiritual leaders were spiritually blind. And then he told them this story. And he contrasted a true shepherd with thieves. So what's he doing? Well, every Jewish person would have known from their context and from the Old Testament background that Israel's leaders were called shepherds. It was a common image. And Jesus is saying then, you all are more like thieves than shepherds. You are not the true leaders of Israel. And so the key issue here is that these people are not entering by the door. Well, what's the door? Look at verse seven again with me. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, 
but the sheep did not listen to them. So Jesus is saying that any leader who emphasized or enters the sheepfold over a fence but not through the door is not a real leader. He is the entryway to God's people. And then Jesus extends this image to say that he's the entry point into salvation in general. If we keep reading in verses 9 and 10, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So here's what this means for leaders and really for all of us. First, for leadership, you have to go through Jesus in order to serve God's people. He is the doorway to the sheepfold. Many people want to be Christian leaders. They plant churches, they write books, uh, they lead churches, but many of them have bypassed Jesus. They're religious, they have charisma, they're able to teach well, but Jesus is not central to their heart or to their ministry. So we should always be asking of any potential leader, is this person a Christ-centered leader in mind and in heart and in life and in speaking? Has this person entered the flock through Jesus? This is an important question to ask of even a Christian book you may consider reading um, or one of the pastors of a church you may be wanting to become a member of. Uh, at some point down the road. You may have to ask, or you should ask, is the real Jesus central here? Is he central to the life and ministry of these leaders? And for all of us, Jesus is the only door. He said that he's the door to salvation and the abundant life. I love that phrase. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That used to be one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and I used to think of it often and just Spending time in this text this last week and thinking about it made me miss it. Um, it has not been, that, that phrase itself has not been part of my mind and heart in recent years. And so I'm going to try to be meditating on it more um, again now and encourage you to do the same thing. I came that they may have life and have it, life, abundantly. Jesus isn't just the way to live forever. He is the way to experience the truly good life now and forever. Eternal life is not just about endless existence. It's about the fullness of joy. And that's what all of us are looking for. We want true joy. We were made for it. Everyone's looking for it. We seek it through experiences. We seek it through hobbies. We seek it through a relationship. We seek it through financial security. We seek it through a full family life. We seek it through approval in the workplace. We seek it through alcohol or a drug. Uh, if we aren't finding it, we find other ways to escape our situation, to find some measure of it. We want access to true joy, but nothing will ultimately satisfy us because we were made to know the one true God and to have the abundant life through knowing him. Only Jesus will satisfy us. We were made for him. So he is saying, don't try to climb in another way. Just come in through me. I am the door. Second image here is the shepherd. In verse 11, he transitions from saying, I am the door to saying, I am the shepherd. Now there's an important background to what Jesus is saying here. It's from the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel, and in particular, Ezekiel chapter 34. 
In that chapter, God confronted Israel's leaders with this shepherd imagery, and he promised to send a true and better shepherd. So here's what it says. The word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel said, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. And then God says he's going to provide two solutions, or really one solution in in two different ways. First, God says that he himself will come to his people as the true shepherd. So this is still in Ezekiel 34, now verse 15. You can listen as I read this. He says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. So God's going to judge the leaders and he himself is going to do what they should have been doing in caring for his people like a shepherd cares for sheep. And then the second part of the solution is next. God says that he will come as their true shepherd. He also says that he will appoint for them a human shepherd over them, a king from David's line. And kingship and shepherd imagery went together in the ancient Near East and Old Testament. Kings were viewed as shepherds. So here's what he said in in verse 23 of Ezekiel 34. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them and he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David shall be prince among them. So here's the promise. God said that one day he will replace the failed leaders of God's people. He himself then will come as their shepherd and he will appoint for them a human shepherd king from David's line, another true David. So what does it mean then when Jesus shows up, confronts these leaders of Israel, and he says, I am the good shepherd? Well, he is both the divine shepherd and he is also the human king shepherd. He is the Lord God come in the flesh, God the Son. He came to shepherd his people. And he is also the man from David's line, the true and better David, whom the father appoints to be the shepherd king of his people. But notice Jesus doesn't just say, I'm the true shepherd. He's the good shepherd. So what does that mean? What does it mean that he is a better shepherd, a good shepherd? Well, in two ways, in selfless sacrifice and in deep affection. Notice the selfless sacrifice in verse 11. Back in John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He repeats that phrase over and over in this text. Five times I count. This is at the heart of what makes him the true and good shepherd. When he says good shepherd, he wants us to have our minds filled with this image of him as a shepherd laying down his life for the sheep. You know, he says a thief sneaks in But if there's danger or hired hand, then we'll even be there watching over. But if there's danger, he's not going to protect the flock. He's going to run. But a good shepherd stays to protect the sheep. Shepherds were prepared to fight wolves. 
But Jesus even goes further. He's not just going to help the sheep or protect the sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep. A shepherd may risk some measure of safety for the sheep, but to die for the sheep? Jesus is blowing up this image here. No way would a shepherd actually sacrifice his life knowingly, willingly to protect a sheep, but Jesus is saying he's doing that for us. This assumes that there was a threat to the sheep, us. It assumes that we were in danger. What's the danger? Well, it's the eternal judgment that we deserve. You know, the backstory of the Bible is that we have all rejected God as our true shepherd and source of joy and care. We've looked to others to shepherd us. Some of us have looked to others to care for us and to provide for us ultimately or to fulfill us. Or we've looked to ourselves for this. We've said, I don't need anyone. I can take care of myself. We've really appointed ourselves to be the shepherds of our own souls. We've decided to be our own shepherds. And because we've rejected God, we deserve his judgment. But God himself is too merciful to let us have our way because he decided to rescue us. And that's his selfless sacrifice. Jesus is headed toward the cross. He even said he received authority from the Father to lay down his life and take it up again. I love this because it shows that the Father and the Son aren't pitted against each other as if, as if the Father's angry with us, but Jesus loves us and Jesus is gonna step in and kind of calm everyone down. No, the Father and, and the Son are united in their heart of love for us. And the Father charged the Son to lay down his life and take it up again. And the Son willingly did that because he loves us as our shepherd. And he's even saying that his death was no accident. It's not like it just happened and he used it for good. Like I read um, a pastor, a false shepherd, read even this past week saying that the cross was an accident and that God used it for good. No, the father charged the son to lay down his life for the sheep and take it up again. And Jesus says, no one takes it from me. I'm doing this of my own accord. So that's his selfless sacrifice. And this also shows his deep affection, his heart. Jesus doesn't just want us to know that he rescues us. He wants us to know how he feels about us. He said, and, and that language shouldn't surprise you if you get to know the real Jesus of the Bible. And we shouldn't be alarmed by that. He said that false shepherds don't sacrifice themselves for the sheep because they don't care for the sheep. But Jesus does it because he cares deeply for us. And there's a deep relationship between a shepherd and his sheep here. Look at verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. So this is an incredibly deep bond. He compares the bond that he has with his sheep with the bond that he has with the father. It couldn't be deeper. So we're all living in this time of great global uncertainty and the shepherds of our nations are not perfect. Uh, they don't know the future and many of their decisions are not the wisest. But in all of this, if you come to Christ, you can know that you have a true shepherd, the ruler of all the kings of the earth. And he knows you and he calls you by name and he'll take care of you. You may be familiar with Psalm 23. Many love this Psalm and for good reason. And as Christians, we recognize that this shows us God's heart. And so here's how we can read it in light of John 10. The Lord Jesus Christ is my good shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. 
he restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So he doesn't promise that we won't go through the valley of the shadow of death. He promises though that he'll be with us and he's a comforting presence. So do you see what this means for how much Jesus values you? For a shepherd to give his life for a sheep would mean that the sheep are incredibly valuable to him. You are valuable to Jesus as his sheep. He came for you. He laid down his life for you. He speaks to you to draw you to himself. He goes and gets you when you stray. He says later that his sheep are are in his hand and, and no one can snatch them out. And they're in the father's hand and no one can snatch them out. He'll make sure that you're saved in the end. He treasures you deeply. And this helps us then even reinterpret our lives as Christians. I mean, even just think about your last five or 10 years. If you've been a believer that long, you can think of past, your past 10 years and recognize how even as a Christian, the Lord has kept you and encouraged you. He's gone and gotten you when you've made foolish decisions. I mean, sheep are notorious for wandering and getting lost and not having a clue what to do and where to go. Um, and the Lord's been with us um, in that. And, and he cares for us and he's, he's continuing to do this. So our future is secure. He treasured us then, he treasures us now. He'll treasure us forever. So how do we respond to this? What's our role in this story? Well, that's the last image of the door, the shepherd and now the sheep. So the sheep, what do sheep do? How do sheep relate to a shepherd? Well, here's three ways briefly. They listen, they know, and they follow. Those are the three things emphasized by Jesus here. So first we listen to his voice, verse 16. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Now, the other sheep here are probably non-Jewish people. Jesus is saying, I didn't just come for this Jewish fold and for sheep among them. No, through this text, he says sheep listen to his voice and he has other sheep that he's going to call as well that will hear him. So this was a common idea in the ancient uh, or in the Eastern context of shepherding. Uh, Shepherds, unlike many Western contexts today, and what we, may, we may be familiar with, with how sheep are herded, um, shepherds would be able to call their sheep and the sheep would recognize their shepherd's voice and go to the shepherd. And they would recognize the voice. They wouldn't come to the call of another shepherd or the tune another shepherd would play, but they knew the shepherd's voice. And so you could even have a, flu- a few different flocks in the same sheepfold at night for protection. And then in the morning, the shepherds would go at different places, be able to give their call and the sheep would separate to gather toward their shepherd because they hear their shepherd's voice and they know him. So for you who are Christians already, that's happened to you. You have heard your shepherd's voice. You not only heard the content of the gospel, that God's kingdom is breaking into this world through Jesus's life, death and resurrection, and we're we're received into it through repentance and faith. You've not only heard the content of the gospel, but you sensed him calling you to enter into his kingdom, to enter to his heart. By the spirit, you resonated with that call and you were drawn to him. That happened to you. And if you are not yet a Christian, he may be calling you this very morning, right now, and you can hear his voice. I'm praying that would happen for you. 
calling you by name so that you'd follow him, enter through him as the doorway into his fold. So I urge you to respond even right now. He calls you to trust him and to follow him. And if you are now trusting Jesus, I encourage you to let a Christian friend know. Uh, let us know. You can contact us through our, our website, through next, the Next Steps button. We would love to walk alongside you um, to welcome you into the, this fold, this flock of Zionsville Fellowship, or help you find a faithful local church uh, to be baptized in and to become a member of. Second, we know the shepherd. He said, I know my own and my own know me. So if you are a sheep, you have a shepherd who wants to know you, to relate to you, to engage with you. And if you're considering following Jesus, this is part of what it means. This is what he's inviting you into, a relationship with him, an actual relationship. So let's seek to know him together. We do this in a primary way through his word and prayer. We hear his voice through his word and we speak to him through prayer. And so uh, we block out time every day at least once to have focused time to hear his words to us in the Bible and to pray to him. And then throughout the day, we want to continue to hear his voice through scripture as we recall it to mind or, or memorize or meditate on it and respond to it. And then we want to pray to him throughout the day. Now, I know some people like to emphasize that sheep are dumb, right? Maybe you've heard that emphasized. I don't know how many times I've heard that. I feel like anytime I talk about Jesus being a shepherd, um, someone comes up to me and is like, well, you know, the thing about sheep is they're dumb, right? Um, you know, that tells us something about ourselves. Okay, there's probably truth to that. But I'm struck by the fact that Jesus doesn't emphasize that. Uh, so I don't think we need to. You know what he does emphasize? How much he cares for us. How much he loves us. So when you think of yourself as a sheep, that's what he wants you to emphasize. Not that, not that we're, we're foolish like sheep, but that we're loved by a shepherd who cares for us. He, he loves you. He knows you. You are secure in his heart. So get to know him. Finally, we follow him. He said the sheep hear his voice and they follow him. Another word for this is obedience. And it's comprehensive, right? Jesus doesn't want us to think about this as an abstract idea, but as sheep who follow a good shepherd. So do you view his words to you as wise and good? Do you devote yourself enough to learning what he expects of his people in the Bible to even know what he calls us to do, how he calls us to work and to live and to love and to treat other people? Um, engage with his word if you don't know what he expects yet. Do you obey him then in your finances, in the way that you talk to other family members, in your entertainment choices, in what you do with your eyes in temptation, in what you engage with online or with your screens, in your friendships, with how you spend your time? Are you obediently following Jesus? Do you even know what he expects of you in those realms? And then are you obeying him? Now, one final note. We hear him, we know him, we follow him. Uh, we also imitate him. Many, many of us are his uh, sheep, but we also are put into situations where we're called to reflect his shepherding. So the word pastor means shepherd. I mean, that's what it's from. So if you are an elder or a pastor uh, here, you are called to shepherd like Jesus to speak to those in your care, to know them, to lead them, to guide them, to care for them, 
small group leaders, you are in many ways entrusted with partnering with the shepherds of Zionsville Fellowship to shepherd those in your little flock. You have the privilege of learning to know and lead and feed with God's word and care for the sheep well, to give them Christ's word so they can hear his voice and obey him and follow him. Parents, you're called to shepherd your children. One of my favorite books on parenting is called Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. It's a great book. As parents, we're called to shepherd our children as we are being shepherded by the Lord Jesus. So the Lord is our shepherd and he is with us and he'll keep us in this time. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this good word. We thank you that you have commissioned the Lord Jesus to lay down his life for us and to rise again and to lead us as our good shepherd. And Jesus, we thank you for being our good shepherd and for giving us the abundant life that you promise now in part and fully in the future after you return. And we thank you for being such a faithful shepherd and promising to secure us in your care forever. In spirit, we thank you for taking the words that we've been able to read and pressing them into our minds and hearts that we might respond to hear the voice of Jesus. So we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's sing now together. Amen. Well, let's sing of the goodness and mercy of our good shepherd. Let's sing all the way my Savior leads me. How could I doubt his tender mercy? Who through life has been my guide? And all the way my Savior leads me and cheers each winding path I tread. Gives me grace for every trial and feeds me with the living bread. You lead, you lead me and keep me from falling. You carry me close to your heart and surely your goodness and Realms of day, 
Well, after we've heard God's word and we've prayed and we've sung, we want to enter into a time of fellowship together. So we clearly long to be looking into one another's eyes and engaging with one another. And Lord willing, we'll be able to do that sometime in the near future. But until then, let's not give up in engaging with each other in ways that we can. So I encourage you to take these next few minutes to send a note or connect with another brother or sister in Christ and also, so think of one person from our church family to connect with right now and encourage, and think of one person who does not yet follow Jesus to reach out to and ask how they're doing and connect with um, together. And now let's hear a benediction from God's word. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Love you all. Go in peace.